Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Good morning, church. It's good to see you guys. Look at the person next to you and say, I'm glad you're here. And tell the other one, say, I'm glad you're here too. All right, all right. Those of you online, those of you in the auditorium, thank you for being here today. If you're brand new here today, thank you for coming. We love you, God loves you, and the, the building didn't fall in, right? Is that cool or what? But other than that, hey, it is, isn't it a beautiful day outside? First Sunday of October, absolutely gorgeous. Let's give God praise for that. Man, that is awesome. So, last week I started a new series from the book of Ephesians in the New Testament Bible, and I want to really break this down. Some people wonder, what do you mean series? When we say series, they do a series of, of talks, of messages that's connected to one another. In other words, it may be a particular subject, it may be a particular book because they tie in together, and so that's what we're doing. And last week, we kicked off Identity Crisis, and we're doing that from the book of Ephesians. So I asked this question of you, how many of you agree with me that we... In this United States of America, there is a profound identity crisis going on. Raise your hand and say, yes, I agree. Yes, it is everywhere. And so last week, I started it off uh, talking about who I am, and I'll touch on that just a little bit more in a moment. But identity crisis, I got to thinking about an identity crisis that took place with one of our children. Uh, We had Lily, our oldest. Uh, Her name is Lily, and then Shantara is her middle name. We took my wife's name, Shanda, and my first name, Terrell, put them together, Shantara. That was her name. But when India come along, we agreed on India, but we had two middle names. So what we done in the hospital after she was born, we debated for two days while this kid, we could not give the information to put it on her birth certificate. And so I don't know what you call debating. Uh, how many of you would call debating soft arguing? How many of you ever do soft arguing? Right? You're with me? How many of you ever do hard arguing? I mean, get down and dirty, get really do it. Yes, yes, yes. That's the one that really causes problems a lot of times. But anyway, you say things you don't need to say you can't take back. But anyway, we were soft arguing, debating. We wanted to call, I wanted to give India's middle name Alexis Shanda wanted to give her middle name Rose. So we were debating back and forth two days while this kid is being taken back and forth from the nursery and everything and, and having to give the information. So finally, words of wisdom walked in the room when Miss Lotta Groves, uh, she's like 88 now. She's still kicking. She makes the best bread in the world. But anyway, I'm getting hungry. It's getting close to lunch. But anyway, she come in and she says, why don't you just name them both that? I thought, duh. So that's what we ended up doing. We called her name India Alexis Rose Somerville, almost every letter in alphabet. But anyway, so she had an identity crisis for a couple of days, and she don't even know that. But that's what's taking place. It's critical that we know what our identity is. It was critical for us to give India the right identity. It's critical that you have your identity in Christ. And that's what this series is about, that you understand it and you claim it in Jesus Christ. So last week I talked about and kicked it off with the first message, mostly from the book of the first chapter of Ephesians, talking about who I am. And I talked about six I am's that it was. I am spiritually blessed. 
I am eternally loved. I'm unconditionally accepted. I am infinitely valuable. I am totally forgiven, and I am incredibly capable. So if you weren't here and didn't get to hear that or watch that, go to our YouTube channel or go to our website or the app, and you can review that to be caught up on that. But here's something I want to point out to you. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot of the books in the New Testament. He wrote the book of Ephesians to the church at Ephesus to be able to strengthen the believers in their Christian faith and to be able to explain to them the nature and purpose of the church, which is the body of Christ. That's what we are. We're a body of Christ. When you enter the body of Christ, you give your life to the Lord, you become a part of the body of Christ. So today, I want to move forward in this second installment to talk about the benefits of our true identity in Christ. Here's what I know. For every single one of us, our identity is the door to our destiny. When you know who you are in Christ, your confidence rises up. Because you know who you are, and you know whose you are. But you and I are engaged in a real battle. We're in a battle to where it's one of cosmic proportions. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? We're facing a real thief. He wants to steal your identity. He wants to do everything he can. His name, you can call him Lucifer, you can call him Satan, you call him the devil, whatever you want to do, but he wants to steal that. And when we look at the world around us, the world contains very much bloody, painful scars of this enemy and what he's doing. There is identity confusion, there is identity deception, there is identity theft that Satan is doing. The world is battered with strife. The world is tore up with war. The world is tore up with bloodshed. Our country's division, and you'll agree with me, is at an all-time high. Would you agree with that? It's really sad. There's a brokenness that needs fixed. There's all kinds of racial tensions. There's all kinds of families that are in disarray. There is political divide. There are people that are sexually mixed up. When I say part of this quote, I want you to finish it. United we stand or divided we fall. At this point in history, unless humanity learns to take heed of what God is trying to teach the world through his word, then there's coming a day that those people that do not want to take heed are going to bow to the Lord, never learning God's way and God's will for their lives. See, the world that Paul was writing to at Ephesus is not much different than the world that you and I see today. His world, when he was writing, was divided and broken. Today, this world is divided and it's broken. When you think about it, there is broken relationships, there was shattered lives, there was broken homes, there was suicide, there was rape, and there was immorality of every kind taking place. Last week, I quoted John 10, 10. Today, I have it on the screen for you to be able to look at. This is Jesus speaking. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. See, you know what we see in this verse? There are two purposes. There are two plans. One plan gives, one plan takes. And there's a lot of Christians today, Christ followers, that don't even know that they're at risk of a thief. 
I ask you this question in all sincerity. How many of you know someone who is discouraged, that is depressed, that's downtrodden, and maybe living defeated? How many of you know someone like that in your circle of life? A whole lot of us. There are those who have marital and family issues taking place. There's divorce. There is conflict. There is abuse. And those are just a few of the painful problems that we see taking place in our circle of lives and in society. The goal of, when you think about a real thief, and let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever had something really stolen from you from a thief? Raise your hand. How many of you have stolen something? Don't raise your hand. Because people will be saying, watch your purse, honey. That one raised her hand over there on your left. When you think about a thief, a thief wants to do what they can to steal something from you and say, well, why do they want to steal something from me? They want to steal something, and every thief's goal is to steal something that's rightfully yours. Even in this day, you hear a lot about identity theft. The goal of that thief is to take your identification so that they can gain your livelihood. Do you follow me? Say yes. The devil's goal is all about stealing your future and stealing your inheritance. That's what he wants to do. Listen, if Satan can get you to forget who you are, then you'll forget where you're going, and then you'll miss your destiny that God has for you. So, before you can walk in your destiny, before you can reap the benefits of Almighty God and the promises he has for your life, you must figure out who you are in Christ. You got to be able to look up and say, I know who I am in Christ. If I have no identity, then I have no destiny. And when you think about the enemy, this is why Satan wants to steal your identity in Christ. That's what he wants to do. Again, your identity determines your destiny. You must establish your identity that is in Christ Jesus. Don't allow the thief to steal that which God has for you. And it comes from God for you. Because if he can steal your identity in Christ, then he's going to rob your, your future and your destiny in Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Say yes. Two things you need to know about just how much God loves you. Two things. First and foremost, he chose you before the world was made. I'm reviewing this again, Ephesians 1 and 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. Say, in Christ. To be holy and without fault in his eyes. See, we're in Christ is to be holy and without fault in God's eyes. Now, I'll tell you what we're good at as humans. We're good at finding fault in other people's lives. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? How many of you here are here and you're married, your spouse is with you? Okay, raise your hand. All of all of them, raise. Okay, I'm going to talk to you first, husbands. How many of you husbands here will say that your wife finds it relatively easy to find fault in you? Now, don't raise your hand because you've got to go home with her, not me. Okay? All right? But if she finds fault in you, just look straight ahead and blink at me. Wives, wives, 
hey, how many times, living with that person, do you see that your husband will find fault in you? Ladies, you got permission to raise your hand. Go ahead. It's fine. Yes. But that's the way it is. It's human nature, isn't it? You find fault in your spouse. You find fault in your boyfriend or girlfriend. You find fault in that one that is your fiance. You find fault in that person that's your boss. That, you find fault in that person that's your employee. You find fault in your neighbor. You find fault in your friend. I am so thankful that when I am in Christ, that I'm in Christ, that God no longer finds fault in his eyes for me because Jesus has made the difference because I'm in Christ. Is that something to be celebrated, that he sees no sin in me anymore through Jesus Christ our Lord? It's amazing. Wow, that's incredible. But also, he wants you more than you think. You say, really? There couldn't be, to me, and I don't know about you, but I think about it. There couldn't be a worse feeling than not being wanted. Not being wanted. And it made me think about how that the church as a holistically in the United States has prayed fervently since 1973 for Roe versus Wade to be overturned. And it's overturned. And you know what? It's time for the church to step up because there's going to be a lot of babies in Tennessee, most likely. But there's no, because we're not killing babies in this state here. It's turned over the state. But I got to doing some homework and I thought we as God's church have got to step up for even of these kids and the foster kids and all that. Listen to this. This is amazing. It says the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. Get this. They pegged the number of children in the U.S. foster care in a staggering number of 443,000 kids. And it says that over 123,000 of them are available and ready for adoption right now. You know how many kids it is in the world that they estimate that are, in, that are basically orphans? 153 million kids. Orphans, they often feel that no one loves them. No one cares about them. They often wonder, will I ever get a family? But not only do orphans feel like, maybe you feel orphaned. Maybe you have married your high school sweetheart and they walked out on you for someone else and you wonder, if that happened, how could God love me? How could he want me? They didn't want me. How you feel that someone has done you wrong and you think, how could that happen? How could I have been done wrong like that? They were a, a Christian. The list goes on and you, you, maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel inept to be able to make good decisions because you made some bad ones and you're having to clean the mess up now as best you can. Sometimes you just wonder, I don't even think God wants me. But here I will tell you, you're wrong. You're wrong because it says right here in the scripture, Ephesians 1 and 5, it says God decided in advance to adopt us. Say adopt us. He said he's going to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Wow. No matter where you're at in life, you've got to decide who's your daddy. Look at the person next to you and say, who's your daddy? You know, think about that. Who's your daddy to get these out-of-the-world benefits that's in Christ? And when you're in Christ... You get them all. So let's talk about the benefits of true identity in Christ. And first and foremost, when you think about true identity in Christ, 
the benefits of that. First and foremost, that God's presence is in you when you receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Check this out. He is in us, the ruler and the creator of the universe. Look at verse 13 in Ephesians 1. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. See, the Holy Spirit, whenever it comes into your life, when you realize that you are lost, then you can be found. I think there's a lot of people that are about 18 inches from hell in this nation. It's about 18 inches from here to here. See, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is something people don't talk a lot about in churches anymore. They think it's a decision. Or they think, well, let me get baptized. You go in a dry center, you came out a wet center. It's about having salvation in your soul to be in Christ. And then when that happens and you receive the Lord personally and privately in your heart and your soul, then you go public to tell the world, this is who I'm pulling for. I'm being baptized. This is the old person that's dying out, and I'm coming alive in Jesus. Just like Jesus was buried in the tomb, he came out alive, and he took our sins to the cross, and he gave his life for us. Let's give Jesus praise, because that's what we need to do today. Because of Jesus, we get to be in him. But not only is God's presence in us, It's God's future for us. Look what it says in verse 14. It says, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Just think, he will give us the inheritance. He promised us an inheritance. How many of you have ever seen those bumper stickers that says, I'm spending my kids' inheritance? (laughs) You ever saw that before? (laughs) It began, I began to think about that, and I began to think about the inheritance that we not only have a great life now in God, but one day we have an inheritance of heaven. And I got to thinking about that because each summer, my wife and I go to the same place in Florida, and it's a gated community, and you have to pull up to the gate, and you have to have your name on the list before they'll open the gate and let you in. But it's pretty cool when they let you in. You get to go in and enjoy the amenities. You get to go in and enjoy the benefits. You get to go in and you're there. You're protected. They're watching over you. There's purpose and everything that's going on in there. And don't have to worry about a thing, what's going to happen to a ride or nothing like that. And I got to thinking, isn't that the way heaven's going to be? See, one day you're going to go to heaven as a Christian when you know that you've given your heart to him. And you're going to be able to go in because you had your reservations and your name in the book. The gate's going to be open for you and you get to go in. You get to go into a place that's going to be protected, a place that's going to have purpose. You're going to go into where there's three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the east, three gates on the west. There's not going to be any darkness. It's going to be the Son of God lights up heaven for all of eternity. And I'm not going to get a cabin in the corner of glory land as the old country song says, I'm going to get a mansion in heaven. And for those of us that are Christians, we're going to get a mansion in heaven. And that's what Jesus gave us life for. That's a great future. There's not going to be any sin. There's not going to be any sorrow. There's not going to be any AIDS. There's not going to be any cancer. There's not going to be any COVID. There's not going to be any funeral homes. We're going to be there forever with God. Forever and ever. What an inheritance. And when you have your name in his book in heaven, that's an eternity that we can't even begin to fathom and imagine that gated community forever for those of his own 
So God's presence in you, his future's for you. God's power through you is another benefit. Think about that. Paul here prayed that the church, listen to this, in this, in this book, Paul prayed that the church at Ephesus, he prayed three different things. He prayed for spiritual wisdom to grow, that they would grow in the knowledge of God. He prayed that their hearts would be flooded with confident hope. But this is the third thing he prayed for. Check this out. In verse 19 and 20, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us, say for us, who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. Imagine you get the power, you get access to the power of the God who created the universe, access to the power of the God who created this dirt ball we call earth that has the beautiful mountains and has the beautiful seas. He put the fish in the sea, the birds in the air. He put the animals on the land. He created you and I for this to be our dominion. The same God who did all that is the power that you get. And I often wonder the reason people can't pray a cold away is because they're not very close to God to begin with. Sometimes we get cold so we can give them to other people so we can build the community. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, just think about the power that you have and the access that you have with God. He says there in Hebrews 4 to come to the throne of grace boldly in a time of need. See, a lot of times we don't even realize that we get access to God his power through that relationship of him being in us, his future force, his power through us. Check out Ephesians here. It says again, it says, the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, raised a man back to life, his son. Wow. There's one more benefit that we're going to park on for a few minutes. God's gift to you. God's gift to you. I think if we're not careful, we can get desensitized to the reality of God's gift of salvation to us through Christ Jesus. I think we get desensitized. So I'm starting in Ephesians 2, I'm again with verse 1. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin. Sin, the word sin simply means missing the mark. That's what it means. You're missing the mark. That's what he's saying to the church of Ephesus. It's applicable to you and I. He said, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. To obey God. Did you hear that? How many of you know that you see the evidence of this when you watch the news and you look across town and you see things going on? It, he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to pay, obey God. How many believe that? I believe that. They're not obeying. They're not in Christ. They're in Satan. That's what he's saying. So after Paul prays this third prayer, he immediately reminds the Ephesians of the reality of personal sins. So... Here's what I want to challenge you about when it comes to the gift of salvation when you have forgiveness of sins. Let us never forget the past condition that Jesus saved us out of that we understand that we can forever fuel the memories that, and be grateful to God and give our gratitude to him that he saved us out of that mess that we're no longer missing the mark. 
It says in verse 3 here, it says, all of us, say all of us, used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. We were subject to his anger, just like everyone was. But then there comes two words right here in verse 4, but God. Say, but God. Say it again, but God. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? I'm going to tell you what it is. These are the two most welcome words I believe that's ever been in the Bible for Gentiles. For Gentiles. Now, if you're Jewish here and you have Jewish blood, I'm not talking to you. You can check your Instagram, see if somebody liked it. I don't know. But if you're a Gentile here, if you're a Gentile, raise your hand. You're not Jewish, raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand if you're a Gentile. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Thank you. Okay, I'm talking to you. It says, but God. Here, we were dead in our sins, but God. We were rebels against God, but God. We were lost, but God. We were enslaved by the devil, but God. We were living in a sinful nature, but God. But God what? Is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, us missing the mark, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. Wow, let's give God praise again. It's only by grace that we're saved that we need to give God praise for that. You know, God could have left us spiritually dead. He could have left us in bondage of sin, but he didn't. He loved us that much. God didn't just save us because of. God saved us in spite of what he saw in every single one of us. He goes on to say, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. Heavenly realms just means the unseen spiritual activities beyond what you and I can see. It's there because we are united with Christ. Say united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for who are united with Christ. Say united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. See, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a masterpiece. Probably going to look back at that. I think what you said before we got out of the car. You're a masterpiece. Every single one of you are a masterpiece. You're an art form strategically made by the hands of Almighty God. He knit you together in your mother's womb to be exactly what he wanted you to be. You're a masterpiece. And don't you ever allow anyone to tell you any different of who you are. You are a masterpiece and you own that when you're in Christ Jesus. You are 
a masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things. Say good things. He planned for us long ago. See, when we become Christ followers and our identity is in Christ, it's all because of his grace. Grace that you didn't merit. You couldn't do anything to earn it. It's unmerited. It is the favor that you can't do for yourself from Almighty God. It's not because of any effort. It's not because of your abilities. It's not because you made intelligent choices or acts of service on our part. No, no, no. It's none of that. It's because of the gift of salvation out of gratitude that we try our best to seek and help and serve others with kindness and generosity and love and gentleness, not just merely pleasing ourselves. You know when I know somebody's grown up in Christ, and I've been in ministry for over 25 years, when I see them helping other people, when I see them focusing on others, see real spiritual maturity is others focused. Some of you are thinking, well, what do you mean, Pastor? I just forget about myself. No, I didn't say forget about yourself. But you're looking out to help someone else. That's when you really know someone's in Christ. Grab this. We're not saved merely for our own benefit, but to serve Christ and build up his church. That's what we're saved for. Now, let's jump into Ephesians chapter 2 here, beginning with verse 11, continuing on here. We've read the first 10 verses. We're going to jump into the 11 through 9. It says, don't forget, say, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens. How many of you have ever called somebody a heathen? I have. Well, when he, why would the Jews be calling the Gentiles names? It says uncircumcised, they called uncircumcised heathen by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their own bodies and not their hearts. They were proud of this physical mark. The Jewish men were of this, but it had nothing to do with their hearts, Paul is telling the church at Ephesus. He says, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Do you realize the depth of these few verses, verses 11 and 12 right here? Do you see for a Gentile that what we were doing without, he doesn't want the Gentiles to forget that you and I were living apart from Christ, so we were without Christ. It says here that we were excluded from citizenship with God, so we were out citizenship. It says that here that we did not know the covenant promises. We were without a covenant. He made it in the Abraham covenant. Gentiles were included, but God never made a covenant with a Gentile nation. So here we are, without Christ, without citizenship, without a covenant. And it says also there, without God and without hope. But then the conjunction comes in again. It says, but now. Say, but now. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. You can't put a price on peace, can you? 
and your world is chaotic. Your life is in shambles. But in Christ, you still have peace despite what you're going through. That's what he does. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. Do you realize what this just said? He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. Did you know that Jews totally despised and hated Gentiles? When you went to the temple, there was an area to where that only the outer courts where the Gentiles could be. If the Gentiles crossed over a certain point into an inner court where only Jews could go, they could die. They would kill the Gentile. Did you know they hated Gentiles so much, the Jews did, that if a Gentile woman needed help in birth, that a, Gen that a Jewish woman would not help her because the Jewish woman would be helping another Gentile to come into world do you get the picture Jews and Gentiles in the same church becoming into one people when and how did it do it in his own body He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between the Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people, two groups. Wow. Together as one body. Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought the good news of peace, there it is again, to you Gentiles who were far away from him and the peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us, say all of us, can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. How could such unity be in the, in the church of Ephesus with Jews despising and hating the Gentiles and the Gentiles knew it. The Jews are calling the Gentiles names. They don't want to be around each other. They don't want to sit close to each other. They show up late at events and stay away from them so they don't have to talk to each other. How can such unity be possible that this kind of divide, this kind of racial, racial divide happened? like today how can such unity be possible even today we're all so different how can we bring people in 
that's from all kinds of different races and creeds. How can we bring people into the same community of faith? There's tall people, short people, fat people, skinny people, red people, yellow people, red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in His sight because of the cross. We all come from different parts of life. There's only one race. The human race. It's the human race. The cross is the focus of our unity, of, to be a community of faith. The, the power of one is at the cross. That's what makes the difference. And when you become like Christ, you can't stand being anyone else because you have a love, you have a faith, you have a purpose, you have a peace, you have a joy that's beyond anything the world will ever give you. Drugs and alcohol won't give it to you. Illicit sex won't give it to you. The addictions will break you. But when you get addicted to Jesus, you'll never OD because you'll want all you can get of him. Are you with me, church? It's the truth. So India's birth certificate got India Alexis Rose Somerville. Her identity was legit then, physically, when she gave her heart to the Lord when she was 14 years old, in the back of a car on the way home from Missouri. Her reborn birth certificate, her name was put in the book in heaven. Just like her decision and my decision for those of you that's made that decision through conviction of the Holy Spirit it is the greatest decision you'll ever make because everyone here you're gonna check out but where you check in in eternity makes all the difference we can all be members of God's family so if you'll let Jesus listen to me if you'll let Jesus set your hearts on fire he'll eliminate a path ahead of you unlike you've ever imagined to ever travel that's my prayer for every one of you today to reap these literally present and out of the world benefits of identity in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, right now we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we have a future for us all in you, in your son, Jesus, that we can have unity even through our diversity in Christ Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, for those today that are hurting, that are broken, that are despondent. God, I pray that you'll heal their hearts, God. That you'll help to be able to help their bitter memories, God, of the past and look forward to a great future. I pray, God, you'll bring healing to their damaged self-esteem, God. God, you can turn everybody that feels like a nobody into somebody because of Jesus. Jesus, help us to see ourselves through your eyes of love and help us see others through your eyes of love. As we continue praying, and I'm going to ask you with all sincerity of my heart, you to pray something I'm going to ask you to pray would you pray dear God help me see myself the way you see me help me to see myself the way that you see me 
you please just thank God? Thank God. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. To forgive me of my sins. Just tell the Lord Jesus, say, Jesus, through you, I know who I am. And I'm going to enjoy these wonderful benefits in you, Lord. Your presence in me. Your future for me. Your power through me. And your gift to me. I want you to continue praying for yourself in this. Listen to me very closely. Just pray the Lord and say, Lord, help me to not listen to Satan or to others. I know who I am in you, Jesus. I'm going to embrace my identity in you, Jesus. Now, what I will tell you in a crowd of people this size, I truly believe there's someone here. Maybe you've never had your identity in Christ. You've tried to find it in other people. Try to find it in stuff, in power, prestige, possessions. But right now, the Holy Spirit's convicting you in your heart. You may have thought you knew God in your head, but now he's convicting you in your heart, and you need to be born into the family of God. Maybe you need to recommit your heart to God. How many of you here right now, and if you're here and you're thinking, I just came to church today, I didn't know I was going to feel like this. If you know right now where you can, that you can go to heaven and you know when you die, you have no doubt in your mind you're going to go to heaven, shoot your hand up right now and say, yes, I know I'm going to heaven when I die. Shoot your hand up. Now, if you couldn't shoot your hand up, I'm talking to you right now. Would you pray right where you're at that you know, that you know, that you know that you are in Christ? Jesus lived a sinless life. I want you to understand that he died on a cross. He rose again as a perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of your sins, the things you miss a mark on. So that makes us sinners. There's either a sinner or there's a sinner saved by grace. You can't earn it. You, you, you can't work for it. It's by grace through faith you're saved. So you can call on him today. Just tell him, invite him into your heart right where you're at and say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart today. I am in a sinner in need of my Savior. I believe you gave your life for me. You died for me. You rose for me. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. Save my soul, my life in you. Pray that and you meant this from the depths of your soul. And the peace of Almighty God that you cannot explain has come into your heart. Would you give God glory as we're continuing to pray? Just shoot your hand up and say, yes, today I know that I received Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Just lift your hand and give God glory. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Now that you've received Jesus as Lord, he's going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit, his presence in you. To go with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's going to go with you even to the end of this life, which will be the beginning of eternity for you with him with him. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to come and see me at Next Steps. I have a gift for you, those of you that lifted your hand. If you didn't lift your hand, you need to pray to come and see me. I have a gift for you to commemorate this day. Father, right now, God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your blessings, your love, and your mercy. God, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to relish in these benefits in your son Christ when our identity is in him. 
I pray your richest blessings on every family, every person here. God, and find us faithful, God, to live for you in a world that needs you. Thank you. And we praise you that your benefit package is literally now and out of this world better than any we could ever obtain. Thank you for going to the cross so we could have it. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody shouts. Amen. Let's give our great God a great hand today. Now, uh, we're going to go into a time of giving, and I want to say thank you for those of you that give on a regular basis. Those of you going to step up on above and beyond for the hurricane thing, because uh, it's very, very important. We show our love to our neighbors, and thank you for that. Thank you so much that God has blessed us rich and immensely that we get to give. A lot of times, churches, it seems like it's a doggy downer time when we're giving to the Lord, but it seems like that it's a doggy. It should be the greatest time. We're to be cheerful givers, so thank you so much for that opportunity. There's multiple ways you can give electronically on the kiosk, on the app. You can do it on our, on the, on our website. You can give tangibly as you leave today. Um, so, but thank you so much for your faithful giving um, for that. And I'm going to pray over that in just a moment. I have two things to tell you, so please don't take off. It's very important uh, right after I pray. Uh, if you're here and you're brand new today, thank you for coming. If you do me a huge favor, take a connection card out of the back of the seat. Put as much information on it as you feel comfortable. If you'll take it out to the info desk, they're going to give you a gift to commemorate this day. And we just want to say thank you for coming. And if you would, give us a 3 P because you can figure out if this is the church for you. And if it's not, we'll help you find a church. But we're thankful that you are here today. We love you, and God does too. That's why we call you VIPs. You're a very important person, and we love you. So, and then if I haven't met any of you, I'm always at Next Steps. Those of you who gave your life to Christ, I want to meet you at Next Steps over there across from the coffee house. I'm going to pray over the offering that we bring and give together. And then I'll tell you two things and cut you loose. Father, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the privilege to give back to you. God, it's a blessing. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. I'm humbled to do it. Multiply it for your glory and honor that we reach people locally and globally and help our neighbors in Florida. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, now, I talked about being a member of the family of God in Ephesians there. Now, imagine this real quick. When my girls were born, if they were born, oh, they look good, they're good, Shanna, let's go home. We just leave them there. Well, they were born in the universal family of God, our universal human race, right? They don't become part of mine and Shanna's family till we pick them up and we take them home, right? They became part of our local family. That's just like it is. If you're a Christian and you're in Christ, you're in the universal body of Christ, but until you make a decision to be in Christ in a local body of believers, that's what's important. That's why you see the church at Ephesus, the church at Colossae, the church at Philippi, all through the scriptures. So they're going to put a QR code up on the board here, up on the, up on the screen, and we're having a Next Steps class. It's a new members class. We call it our basically our newcomers lunch, and it's going to be on Sunday, October 16th. At the end of this service, we'll take good care of your kids. We're going to feed you a great lunch. We'll tell you all about the vision, the values, and everything about it. Even if you're here for the first time today, come and be a part of it, and you can check it out. We'd love to spend time with you. Also, last but not least, on Saturday, October 29th, we're having our Fall Fest. It is from 5 to 8. The Fall Fest, for the church family here, we're having the Trunk or Treat from 6 to 8. If you don't mind, bring in candy if you would. If, you don't want, if you're not going to have a trunk, you can sign up to have a trunk if you want to. They get radical with this stuff. Now, I'm telling you what, I've seen some trunks. It's amazing. But if you're not going to do a trunk, bring in candy. We'd appreciate it very much. We love getting the Freedom Kids high on candy, okay, and stoked on sugar. So anyway, I'm just kidding. But anyway, bring in candy. Be a part of that. Tell your friends and family about it. But other than that, I love every one of you. Listen, how many of you know somebody? the church family. Raise your hand real quick. Bring them with you next week as we continue 
diving into Ephesians and the Word of God. Love every one of you. God bless you. Have a good rest of the day.